Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of the Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of the Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another uh, episode of the Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, we're going to talk about uh, how to turn your pink slip into a red uh, hot business. So if you'd like to join the conversation, please call in at 347-324-3460, or you can pose a question in the chat room, or you can email us at info at thecorebusinessshow.com. Jane Newell, welcome to the program. Tim, thank you for having me on today. Great. I mean, you have uh, like a unique story when we were talking last week, and I guess to begin with, before we talk about that story, uh, our audience love to hear stories. Cause tell us about yourself and how you got started. Well, I had a 35-year career in Florida in real estate, and I always say I don't know how that was possible, Tim, because I'm only 39 <laughs> years old. <laughs> But I had a 35-year career in real estate, and when at uh, the beginning of the um, 2000, we, you know, the market was going crazy. And about 2003, I decided to invent a product for real estate agents, actually, to carry all of our high-tech products. And that's um, how that how my new business kind of evolved is because I had invented a product for my own industry. And I always said I it was a wearable. In fact, you're getting one in the mail here pretty shortly. But it's a Thank wearable, um, a wearable organizer, so you can carry your high tech, low tech products, whatever, around your waist or various other ways to wear it. But we needed something to hold all of our gizmos and gadgets. So that's how that came to be. And I, I've kind of kiddingly said I invented the product to make my life easier in real estate, and I made it real easy. I got out of real estate. <laughs> <laughs> He's on either real estate. Wow, that's a, a interesting story. So, uh, kind of let's backtrack um, to the you know, the very beginnings. Uh, um, you come from a real estate career. So, what? How did you get into real estate? Well, I was living in South Florida, and I was um, a young gal in early twenties, and I always thought it would be interesting to um, you know look at homes, and that's a lot, reason why a lot of people get in real estate is they like going to the house. But, you have uh, access to all the houses. Actually, the the true story is, and no one's ever asked me that question, so uh, congratulations on making me think here a minute. <laughs> um, actually, I owned a little house, and I got ready to sell it, and some things happened that I didn't think were quite right, and it sold right away, and I had to pay a lot more than what the real estate agent told me, and I thought, nobody's going to take advantage of me like that again. I'm going to go to school and learn how to um, buy and sell real estate so I never get taken advantage of again, and that's the true story on it. So uh, that's how I actually got into real estate. Wow, it's an amazing story, and the rest is history, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I went up to the Space Coast, which is on the east coast of Florida in the central area, where the uh, 
uh, you know, the shuttle is go- was going off all the time and rockets and walk walk out of your backyard and watch a rocket go up and see the see the fire coming out of it, feel the shake of it, and I said, I, I'm living in the Jetsons age, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or I dream a genie. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's funny because, you know, my name is Jean and I go by genie. And in real estate, <laughs> I capitalized on that, which is one of the things I help teach people how to do is find a way to, you know, make your name or your, your product or your business memorable. So my, my, um, my brand or, or my slogan was, um, Space Coast Magic Genie, making all of your home wishes come true. There you go. And let me tell you, all the women that named, was named Jean that was in real estate were really ticked off because they hadn't thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the kind of things that you can do to make yourself stand out. You know, I'm looking at uh, it's amazing. You know the how the economy is, and uh, of course, you were in real estate. 35 years, and of course you were in the 80s, and we had the same issues in a different dynamic, but we still had that dynamic of the 80s. Oil prices sky high at that time, and uh, we were going through a depression during the 80s, and some industries were doing good. Some industry uh, really wasn't doing good at all. Space industry was really consistent because it was based on uh, government contracts that was always awarded. And um, taken from that, they never had to worry. Some people did have to worry in the commercial sector regarding pink slips. The government workers or contractors, well, no, they love to contract to contract, but pretty much they were pretty stable and secure. They can be able to move them to one end to another. Today, now we do have a pink slip. I'm looking at your uh, your book here. How did you come with that idea? How to turn your pink slip into a red hot business? Well, because I, because I am here at the Space Center, and there, mm-hmm. it's amazing that people, there's still a lot of people that don't realize the space program has ended. And a lot of people just, I don't know if they just don't think, they think, well, maybe part of it has ended, but, but our main source of space program, which is a whole nother interview, um, because that is something that we should not have ever let stop, but... Um, that whole space program ended, and the space shuttles are not going off. We're relying on other countries now to do that. So they laid off about 7,000 people that are all high-tech, very intelligent people in this one area. And they were, they were over a period of two years, they were getting their pink slips. So they, um, they had uh, instigated a training program for these uh, um, these aerospace engineers and helping them come up with new ideas uh, for other businesses because here, just like so many other people around the United States, it's not just here at the uh, Space Center area, but if you've been in a job for 20 or 25 years, um, 30 years, and all of a sudden your your whole industry stops or they have big layoffs, it's very difficult, A, to get a job after you're 45 or 50 years old, and two, to try to find um, another uh, another career in a similar um, uh, or a vertical type of uh, um, business situation. So all of these people were, were forced to either start their own business or leave the area and try to find other, you know, other co- um, companies that would hire them. So uh, NASA created a um, work program for them where they took them through about a two-month period of, oh, this is over a period of two years, they had various groups 
and they would help train them and, and send them to um, kind of like a business school. Well, they had hired several of us in the area that had started our own businesses to be a mentor for these aerospace engineers. So I had to laugh. Oh, Tim, this is only in America could this happen. Here I am, a woman um, in her um, late, late 40s, like 60. That's all right. 60 is a new 40. Um, Training and mentoring aerospace engineers. I said, where else could a a retired um, real estate agent mentor aerospace engineers? So I I became kind of known as NASA's granny guru. (laughs) But that's how the book started. I realized there were so many people that just needed to have a source of who's, who's done something, what did they do, how did they do it. And I know when I started in the early ni- uh, 2003, when I started, there really wasn't that many entrepreneur books. And there was certainly no one in this area that was training entrepreneurs. So that's basically how it started. There was a need for information. And I thought, well, I'll just – I started doing seminars for the Small Business Development Center and uh, chambers of commerce and so forth. And all these different seminars were on various topics. And one day I looked at all these seminars and I went, oh, my gosh, these are chapters in a book. So I just kind of rewrote it and, and put it in a book formation, and and I'll have that probably finished here in the next couple months. And I'm going to do probably a down. Right now people can download it for free. I've got about six chapters, and it gets people at least started. Mm-hmm. And finding out, I have tests in there to find out, you know, what maybe they would be interested in doing, and um, just talking in general about personality styles and whether you're um, whether you're ready to be an entrepreneur and and what it's going to take to be an entrepreneur. Wow, talk about the readiness test and what it takes. In particular, if you think of being an entrepreneur, people have ideas across their head, and how can they get those ideas out of their head and out of their soul to put it into reality? Well, I'd like to encourage them to take the full test, and uh, we, you can do that at uh, com. But let's go over at least a couple things they could do as soon as they um, listen to the show. Mm-hmm. I I suggest to people first to take a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle, and on the left-hand side, at the top right, all the things that I I can do well. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, all the things that I like to do. And on that list, I just want you to, to sit in a nice, quiet, relaxed place with the dogs not barking and the kids aren't you know, coming up to you. And just sit and think. Do you like to play golf? Do you like to watch football? It doesn't matter what it is because we're just trying to open up the brain a little bit on things that you enjoy. So you list everything without editing. On the right-hand side of the page, you write down um, the, the head would be the heading would be things that I know I can do well or things that people have told me I do well. So you list everything that you've ever gotten any kind of an award for, if it's sales or even if you have people commenting um, to you about how well you dress or your lawn looks great every Saturday. It doesn't matter. Everything that you've ever heard or you know that you can do well. And what this does is it, it does put some things on paper, but what you're doing is you're opening up your creative sources. 
because so many times people have great gifts and they have great talents and they might have been great at at singing, let's say, when they were 20 years old and mm-hmm. maybe they went to college and, ma- and majored in in music, but they ended up getting a job as a CPA or whatever. And now their job has come to an end, but you'd be surprised at how many times you can go back into that closet, (laughs) pull everything out, start dusting it off, and there could be something in there combined with your life experiences and your business expertise that you might actually be able to formulate for either a permanent or even a temporary source of income. So it might be a consulting, it might be teaching, it might be something that you can do um, while you're still sending out the resumes. So that's what I encourage people to do is let's go back in time, (laughs) back to the future, let's go back in time and see if there's some things that we can resurrect. Okay. Wow, some great advice. (laughs) Well, you know, during your test, you know, you talk about the readiness test. Is it a sense that some people are should be entrepreneurs and some people really shouldn't be at all? They need to really keep their day job? Well, I encourage everybody to keep their day job. Believe me. Unfortunately, there's, most of the people I talk to don't have a day job. Um, okay. Yeah, because they're they're kind of stuck. But if you, you always want to try it first because you have – uh, an, an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs have a <laughs> a special gene in them. I'm not too sure if it's a, a sane gene or an insane gene, but it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's a, maybe a genie or something. It's yeah. a genie, right? Um, we're kind of gamblers, you know. We 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 put a lot on the line, and a, a good entrepreneur, you don't have to be necessarily a person that uh, has that type of gene you can work on. And I mean, there are very, there's a lot of great successful uh, entrepreneurs that are behind the scenes people. But basically, Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur needs to be everything at once. They need to be a great salesperson because they're going to have to go out there and sell themselves and their company, whether it's to investors or to a client. And if you're not that kind of a personality, then you're going to probably either have to work on it or you're going to work on your own personality or to be able to do that, or you're going to have to hire a front person. So, yes, in some ways there are, there are certain attributes that make it easier to be an entrepreneur, but um, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you are a very shy person and you like to stay behind the scenes and work on the, cal- um, the computer, and that it can't be done. It's just mm-hmm. that... You know, it's gonna. You're going to have to have people that will be able to speak for you. Wow, uh, that's amazing. Are there any associations you know of, or some organizations that might can help, guide, or mentor, uh, or a person can go get some resources from to kind of help them out? Yes. In fact, if you've got a product in mind, um, my first advice before I tell you where to, what, what the organizations to go to is please do not go to any of the advertised um, or on, on television or on a computer that says, you know, we're going to take your, you're going to, we're going to take your idea and we're going to run with it and we're going to make you rich overnight. It's there are, 99% of them are scams, as you know. Mm-hmm. So please, if you've got an idea for a product in mind, don't go that route. I tell everyone, whether they come to me through this source or um, I, they come to me in, through a seminar, 
first stop is the Small Business Development Center. Every major city has a small business development center. It's a it's a offshoot of the Small Business Business Administration. Also, other arms of the Small Business Administration are the Women's Business Center and SCORE. All of these are paid uh, government uh, organizations with grants and so forth, so they are free advice. At least go in and register with them. They also have their own testing. Um, they usually have seminars, and most of them are free or at a very reasonable price, and they have seminars on everything from quick books to how to get publicity, I mean everything. So that would be your first step. And then if anything else comes up, any other um, things that maybe you're not too sure whether you want to join or something, they know all the the legitimate uh, sources out there, so you can always call your representative and say, "Gee, I just got this email about my product. Should I spend ten thousand dollars with this company?" And they'll say, "No, you know, it's on our list not to do that." So, Score and Small Business Development Center are two great places. And back to back back to that uh, website, NewcoMarketing.com. I've got a whole um, a whole page of sources. So people can just click on it and go right to various sources. It's like a one-stop shop. Okay, great. Also, when you uh, you know after you get through those particular steps, and you talk about inventions, and you as I had a product that you invented, and you gave some great advice regarding um, how to guard that particular product. What they really need to do, uh, you know, you're going to get different advice. Some people are gonna gonna kinda of buy your your product from you. They're gonna kinda of, they're gonna say, uh, okay, I'll sell your product, uh let's do a uh a seventy thirty split. You we get seventy, you get thirty, we pay for all the costs and returns. How will you negotiate a deal like that when you're dealing with a product? When you said when you don't have the product yet or when, when you, you de- when you deal with it, when you have a product you already invented and the person mm-hmm. willing to Manufacture it and do the returns and do everything else, but I say, hey, I do, I, uh, I get seventy percent of the profits and you get thirty. Well, it all, of course, depends on the situation. I've mm-hmm. worked with some people that have had exactly that situation. Maybe the percentages were different. It can be a wonderful thing. It can also not be exactly what you think it is. So I always say you need to have really your own attorney always. Sometimes it doesn't pay to patent something, but if you're going to license it, which we're talking about now, licensing something, the only way someone can license um, your idea or your um, your product is because it's intellectual property, and they are basically licensing your patent. So if you're going to go that route, you have to get it patented. In many cases, I tell people to go ahead and go to your attorneys. Most of your patent attorneys... And again, those are people you're going to want to meet or get introduced through the Small Business Development Center. Um, most of them will give you a half an hour, 45-minute free consultation before you get into paying for product searches and, and patent searches. But everything is, is is based on that particular situation. It can be a nightmare having someone like that involved because what happens a lot of times is you've signed away your rights to it for wow. X amount of years, and I've seen it happen where someone has said, "Look, we're going to give you, you know, whatever it is, thirty percent or forty percent, 
but they had the rights to it for several years, and what they would do is they would just shelve it. And why they do that? Because there are also, you know, consulting fees and so forth. So for a couple of years, uh, the um, inventor couldn't do anything with it, and nobody was doing anything with it w- from the company. So they were kind of, you know, what they say is, you know, 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing, you know. So basically they were getting 100% of nothing. Nothing. So you have to be very careful of, of signing any kind of a, an agreement like that because uh, unless you have an an attorney that can read between the lines and know exactly what they're saying, um, you could get involved with something where they've taken your idea and perhaps they didn't have your best interest at heart. Maybe they were coming out with something similar, so they wanted to take your product off the market. So you just never know why, you know, what the arrangements are like that. But it can also be someone who wants to partner with you and they've got the manufacturer and they've got the... Um, the ways to do it, and it's going to be a lot easier for both of you. And in that case, it would be a perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. I should be a politician, right? I can talk well. out of both sides of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have the experience, you know, kind of got the the little guy and what he needs to really know and where he needs to go. So that's a good thing about uh, uh, going to business. Why is it really difficult for a a person who's forty plus? You mentioned earlier. Uh, 45 plus or 40 plus, uh, and trying to find a position. I mean, uh, it's just companies are really uh, going left field, but uh, they just really don't want to hire the most experienced worker because of cost. That's the main thing is, and that's of course the older you are and closer to retirement, <clears throat> a lot of them think now, why would I want them to come on board? I'm gonna, it's gonna be a couple years of learning, or you know, you're gonna start at the bottom with some company. And they're going to think, as soon as they hit 62, 65, they're going to retire. You know, the person in their mid-40s is not quite as bad. But when you're in your mid-50s, 60, 65, and that's that baby boomer age right now. I mean, how many 50 million people out there looking for, um, you know, in that age group looking for work or needing extra income? It's very difficult when you're, you've been the CEO of something or you've been a director and all of a sudden – I mean, there, not to break my train of thought here, but just as an example, we had aerospace engineers lining up to be a um, uh, um, a truck driver for the, um, not the post office, but one of the, you know, the other services out there. And there was a line around the block of all these aerospace engineers wanting to be a truck driver because that's the only job that was available. So, you, you know, you have to be very careful of, you know, what what you're going to be able to do. And, of course, they were used to making X amount of dollars per hour, and now it's completely different. So it's it's very difficult because um, you've moved your way up. You know, we were still brought up in the mentality years ago that, you know, you could stay at a place 30 years and get the gold watch and retire, and everybody was happy. Now people don't stay at a job 25 or 30 years. But if you know that up front, if you're 20 years old and you know that up front, you're making, you know, you're making, um, you're making preparation for that. But the person who thought they were going to have a career until they retired, they they get a pretty uh, big slap in the face when that pink slip arrives. Wow, we're going to take a break real quick, and we're going to talk about the product that you, the little pouch you invented. How did you go through that process? And I think you had a lot of success with it. So if you can walk us through that journey, we really appreciate it. We'll be back in a moment with Gene. Uh, you listen to The Core Business Show. You're listening to The Core Business Show. 
sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Chicane. Okay, then we're back with the show. Gene, when you came with your 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 product, kind of walk us through that journey. How you came up with that product, and how did you get it to uh, to the marketplace with uh, your distribution channels, and and um, kind of take us through that whole journey. So, if someone had have a product uh, and they're looking at trying to pursue the same channels, uh, at least they would have some idea how the whole system works and how you actually accomplish what you did. Sure. I'll, I'll try to walk us through the my story and then uh, highlight the things that other people could do based on what I did. Um, again, I was in real estate and I there was a need, and that's usually your first your first step. Is there a need for your product, uh, or it could even be a service if you're thinking of starting something from home? But let's just say product for right now. Is there a need for your product? Our need was we were back in 2003 and 2004 and so forth. We were carrying multiple high-tech products. Of course, now they have a lot of things built into the smartphones and so forth. But at the time, we were carrying, you know, a, a cell phone and a pager and electronic lockbox key. And um, the, back then, they were uh, PDF or P, PDF, PDF files. I guess they were no, no, they were what were they called? I can't remember. PDAs, PDAs. And uh, pens and business cards and all, you know, went on and on and on. And what was happening is the women were throwing those things in their purses and the guys were trying to carry them in their pockets and or clipping them to their belts and the cameras and so forth for real estate. And every time they'd get in the car, they those things would get caught on the car door and flip off. And, and the women were always looking through their purses. And I said, you know what, we need a like a professional tool belt just to carry our tools of a trade. And that's how it started. And um, I just kind of came up with that idea, and, and I was very busy in 2003. And, and come to find out, there was a need for this product in my industry, and it was like a big, silent um, a, a big silent problem. It's like what they say, the big purple elephant sitting in your living room that nobody wants to talk about. It wasn't just me. I thought it was me because I was getting a little older, and I thought, my gosh, I can't remember anything, Tim. I would call my own cell phone several times a day to try to find it because I'd laid it down somewhere. And i uh, come to find out other people were having a similar problem. You know, the cell phone falls between the seats in the car, and you can't find it. you got to call it to find it. I said, I want something that I can wear around my, uh, on my body that will hold all these things. So kiddingly, during a... A sales meeting, I said, I'm going down to Home Depot, and I'm going to buy one of those cloth nail aprons that, you know, tie around your waist, and it has the open pockets in front. And I said, I don't care if it says Home Depot across the front of it. I'm wearing it with my business suit, and 
<laughs> I'm going to keep my high-tech things in it. Well, everybody laughed, but they said, you know, that's not a bad idea. We need something to wear. So I did a focus group, which is step number two. If you've got a great idea, you want to see, gosh, is it just me that needs this, or is this actually a product that other people might also need? So my focus group was my built-in um, associates at my office. Everybody thought it was a good idea. We, um, you know, we figured out what we might need. I um, took me a while because everybody, we thought we could find something in the market. So first, we decided to look around and see if there was anything out there already. So after your first initial focus group, you might want to look, go on the website, go into catalogs, see if there's anything out there that's similar to what you already have, because there's no use going through a lot of of um, time and energy if somebody else has already invented it. So mm-hmm. we took about three or four months, and we looked through various catalogs, and we were on the Internet and so forth. But no one had really come up with this idea. So I uh, I was postponing it, putting it off, because I, I'm not even a seamstress. I don't own a sewing machine or anything. I, I've done a lot of little creative projects in my life, but over lunch... Uh, one of my associates said, "Why don't? Um, where's that product that you've been wanting to invent? And I said, I'm too busy. He said, well, tell me what it's going to look like. So right there at lunch over Denny's, this sounds like something right out of a scripted Hollywood movie. <laughs> I know it does. Um, he said, what's it going to look like? So with my hands, I just put my hands about nine inches apart, and I said, well, about that big and, you know, maybe, I don't know, six or seven inches high. I don't want it real thick. I don't want it to look like a fanny pack. I want to be able to hide it, so I want it flat. So over with a napkin, that's all we had. We we sketched it out, and then um, I found a um, a local seamstress that um, would actually put it in a three dimensional form. She made one out of just scrap material. So that would be the next step: is to find someone. If you can't do it yourself, find somebody that can make you some kind of a prototype, whether it's a going to be exactly what you want or not because you're going to want another focus group. So all of these things lead up to before you start investing a lot of money into this idea um, and time, you want to see is there people interested in in, um, purchasing this. And during focus groups, you come up with, um, they'll come up with ideas and help you. Usually if it's people having the same problem you're having, they might even suggest a few things. Now, of course, when you do have these focus groups and everything, you want to have them sign a non-disclosure so you can keep it uh, as as secret as as long as possible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want to use your family and friends on some things, but (laughs) that's not always a good thing because using your family and friends as your advisors or as your folks group, um, sometimes you don't get the real true... Um, information because there's some members of your family that love everything you do and you could, you know, Go tell broke. them post anything and they'll love it. And then there's other people of your family, you know, the uh, that are don't want you to spend any money. Naysayers. Yeah, right. They, they're naysayers and they're they're trying to protect you too. They don't want you to spend any money. And, and of course, you've had that great idea. You had that other idea a couple of years ago that didn't pan out. You know, they're, they're, they remember all that stuff. So you you want to try to find people in your in your immediate um, uh, your immediate um, uh, area that would be someone that would be interested in that product. So um, a focus group of contemporaries of of that um, that need. So that's an uh, that's another step. So as I finally got them made, and that's um, that was a, a kind of a challenge because 
I finally found a manufacturer in um, in uh, Florida, and I told him, um, you know, at this point in time, which was really strange, Tim, I had all these other real estate agents from other offices calling me um, and wanting to know about my this bag that I was inventing. And so I had about 85 orders, 80, 85 orders already for a bag that didn't even exist. Wow. So I had called this uh, bag company, and they um, their minimum order was three thousand. I said, "Oh my gosh, I can't possibly do this. I don't. I'm not going to be a bag lady." <laughs> um, so, um, I, but I went ahead and I ordered the three thousand. And as I was selling them to the real estate agents, lo and behold, they were calling me back and wanting three and four more. And I thought, "Gee, I wonder why they want so many." So I started asking them, and they said their family members were taking their bag because this is a kind of a generic bag. It's flat with open pouches and and zippered pockets. So, I mean, it could be used for really anything. Well, the kids were were clamoring for them because they, you know, they're machine washable and they have a, a waterproof inside so the kids could take their lunch and they could they could put their pencils and pens and things like that for school. And then spouses um, were using them for different things. Um, the women that weren't in real estate, they were wearing them, you know, to do shopping. The guys were using them for tool belts. I mean, it went on and on. So all of a sudden, another step. When you start listening to what your customers are saying, and then it, your whole business, your whole business idea, your whole um, invention can go into a completely different track. I was thinking kind of small. I was just thinking uh, solving the problem in real estate. And here I didn't realize that basically everyone was having a similar problem. We just had too many little things to carry with us all day. And when you don't want to carry a bag, a purse, uh, you don't want them in your pants pocket, it solved the problem. So then I started looking for distribution. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the the next step in, in the sequence you want to figure out, you know, there's some products, mine went on to QVC, but there's some products that's not a QVC fix, I mean a, a fit. It's not going to be right for QVC. It's going to be better for catalogs. Or if it's a, it's a, if it's a certain type of item, maybe it's going to be hardware stores. My product wouldn't work in a hardware store, but somebody else's might. So you've got to figure out what is your distribution, what is your, where's your buyer, where's your buyer going to find this. Mm-hmm. And then you set out to find either a distribution company that handles that particular market, or you start um, you get a maybe a mentor. I I help with people uh, all the time trying to find ways to to source it out. But one of the things we can do now, the internet is a great equalizer. Even a small company can compete with big companies when you're trying to sell something. And there's ways to market yourself and your website where you can get your product out there and not pay an, an enormous amount at a marketing company or a, a big SEO company, a search engine mm-hmm. optimization. All of those things, you can do a lot of things yourself. And again, I don't want to keep uh, reiterating about that, but newcomarketing.com, I got a whole lot, I've got a, a whole list of sources there that people can. Just play around on that site, and it's all free. It's just for aspiring entrepreneurs that they can get an idea. And, you know, I think we talked about this, Tim. If anyone would like 
to have just even a 10 or 15 minute conversation with me, I will offer that to your listeners. If they want to go ahead and send me an email through that site, I'll be happy to hear what they have to say and, and, and maybe advise them on what they might want to do in their local area. And um, what you know, if that'll help them, I'd be more than happy to do that for your listeners. Okay, and how do how can they contact you? If they want, go ahead and go to that uh, website, Nuco Marketing. That's n e w c o marketing dot com, and there's a um, tab there. It says Contact Gene, and just fill out whatever information. There's um, comments. You can ask the question. Um, I can either email you back or leave a phone number, and we can uh, have my assistant make an arrangement for a ten or fifteen minute conversation. Uh, that right there kind of helps because most people, the journey is very similar, but it's the it's the highways that are a little different. I always say, you know, I live in Florida, and I always try to make it a um, a point to explain this. Like if you were taking a trip to California, and California is our end result. You know, as an entrepreneur, we're, we can go several different ways out there. But the, uh, the destination is, is similar, but the end result is the same. Absolutely. If, so you actually got on with uh, one of the, uh, the networks uh, to display your product. Uh, how was that? How, how did it make you feel? And uh, was it an easy process? Actually, the... Um, it was an easy process for me. I didn't realize it, but um, it's usually a little bit more difficult than this. I got on QVC, which is the number one electronic um, retailer in the United States, and they're located in Philadelphia. And I'd only had the product in my hand. My first my first order of 3000 if you remember, <laughs> came in December of 2003. And people had been buying them and telling me, my gosh, you should get this on HSN or QVC, which are both um, retail um, shopping networks. And I tried to get it on HSN several times because they're located right here in Florida. And I was getting turned down and so forth. And then finally, um, (laughs) this is kind of an unusual story, but as an entrepreneur, you have to think outside the box. When people say no... No, sometimes no doesn't mean no. It means they're not interested right now or you're not doing it the right way or something. So I I kept um, sending my product to HSN through the Internet. That's the way they tell you to do it. And I was getting it turned down, and my customers were all telling me, my gosh, this is the kind of things we see all the time on HSN. I don't know why they're turning you down. Well, as it turns out, um, that's what they want you to do is go on the Internet, but the real way is something totally different. And they figure out, uh, HSN and QVC know, that if you're really determined as an entrepreneur to get your product out there, you're going to figure out, you're going to meet the right people, you're going to just keep so focused on doing it, you're going to find out the real way to do it. Mm-hmm. And the, real, the real way to do it is to get an agent to help you get your product out there. And I found that out by doing a mass email. Um, I always say Al Gore says he invented the Internet. (laughs) Well, I invented social media. (laughs) (laughs) Because in 2003 when I did this, um, those Facebook um, uh, college guys hadn't even invented Facebook yet. And, you know, Facebook is a great social media to, you know, ask questions and find out what people's comments are. So what I did to find out how to get my product distributed into um, these um, television networks 
is I sent out a mass email to several hundred people on my email list, and I said to them, I've invented this product. Here's a picture of it. Um, it's Everyone thinks I should get it on HSN or QVC, but I'm having difficult doing that. I need to talk to somebody there, and it's very difficult to talk to any you know buyers or, or um, purchasing agents. So I said in my email, if you know of anyone that works there, or if you if you don't, would you mind passing my email on to your email list? Someone out there in cyberspace can certainly help me. I just don't know where they are. And I got all my email people. A lot of them were forwarding it on and forwarding it on. And a couple days later, I was getting all these returned emails of people that were three, four, five people removed from me. They were all had been forwarded, and they gave me names and contacts of people that worked at HSN and QVC, and that's how I found out that you have to do it through an agent. So mm. it's a, it's really bizarre how you have to find things out. It's not always the, – the way they tell you to do it isn't always the way that's going to be right for you, the, in, the inventor or the entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. once I knew how to do that, I put my background in video production. I, I majored in mass communications in uh, – in college, and I loved doing video presentations. So I did a video presentation of my bag and sent it off to QVC, and it was instantly accepted. And I mean, this all—I had my my bags in my hand. My—they're called pups, personal utility pouch. I thought pups sounded kind of cute for an acronym. And I had my pups in my hand. I had three thousand of them. And that was December. I sent the video and the letter off to QVC in January, which was only the next month. And in February, they accepted it. And on May, I was on live television selling my product. Wow. And that's how fast that happened. I, and it hadn't even you know, even been out uh, half a year. And I went on to um, – that product became so successful on QVC – that I was because you have to fly up as your as an inventor. That's another reason why you have to be a little outgoing if you're a an inventor because they like to have the inventor on TV. So I would fly up to Philadelphia, um, where the QVC studios are outside of Philadelphia, and I would go mm-hmm. on live television. I don't know, eight, ten million people. Who knows? <laughs> don't want to think about it when you're on camera. Oh wow! <laughs> and I made uh, thirty-five flights actually 70 flights, 35 trips from Orlando to Philadelphia in 18 months. And we sold over a million and a half dollars of these simple little uh, pouches um, to hold high-tech products. And wow. that's, the, that's the story. <laughs> wow, that, that's really amazing. You know, look at a place like Shark Tank. Do you advise, you know, at the second stage, should you just go ahead and license the material out? Or should you just go ahead and, in the long haul, just go ahead and just dive into it and and do your best? You know, I watch Shark Tank every Friday. <laughs> and uh, I, I learned I can't watch it with anyone else sitting with me because I yell and scream at the TV set. I'm yelling either, take that deal, you know, or else I'd, I'd say to, you know, I mean, if, if people really knew how much is involved in doing it yourself, you may or may not want to do it. However, and any of those deals are great. I I would give up, you know that a lot of these people hold out. They don't want the they don't want the um, the shark to have fifty percent of their business. 
Give them 50% of their business. These people are going are, are successful. They're going to take they're not going to do anything to uh lose their money, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so yes, I would license with, with a situation like that and on a shark on Shark Tank, I would license in a minute. Um uh, in other cases like we talked about before, you have to be very careful cuz some people will license and they've got their own agenda, and maybe they're licensing your product and shelving it because they don't want to sell it mm-hmm. um, because they have some other ulterior motive. Uh, just like the people that come out with these cars that run on <laughs> uh, whatever other fuel, and then they, you know, they. I remember a car that was invented years and years ago that was supposed to get like a hundred miles a gallon of whatever kind of fuel they were doing, and. Um, he he was basically bought out. I mean, they they buy the rights and then they don't ever come out with the car. So it's the same type of deal with your, um, you know, your product. Now, if they're going to buy the rights at a, the right price, maybe you don't care if they come out with the product. But usually, well, absolutely. usually, if you're a small entrepreneur, you're biting at the first, um, you're biting at the first opportunity, and it's it's not really um, that that big of a opportunity. But you you bite at it thinking you know this person's going to run with my idea, but a good attorney and a good attorney that um, has been recommended that works with the I would say somebody that works with the small business development center or you've got some recommendations, they're uh, the, whatever you have to pay them they're going to really keep you <laughs> they're going to keep you out of trouble let me tell you <laughs> wow I've learned uh, so much from my attorney. Well, what do you like to leave the audience with um, in closing? Well, I actually came up with a a little entrepreneur's creed, and this was something that I hand out during my seminars that people can post on their at their uh, it's a little postcard they can keep by their computer or whatever. Because there's times, even today, after being in business ten years, there are times that you just want to, you know. <laughs> knock your head against the wall, you know, and say, oh, my gosh, why does it have to be so difficult? So here's my four my uh, my four um, uh, points for my entrepreneur's creed. The first one is you have to believe anything is possible. If you don't believe it's possible, you can't, uh, you, no one else is going to believe you. Nobody else is even going to uh, want to partner with you. So you must believe that anything is possible. And I can attest to that because I did some things that most people now tell me, you couldn't have done it that way. That's impossible. I go, well, I'm glad I didn't talk to you before because I did it that way. You know. So number one, believe anything is possible. Number two, you have to enjoy what you do. And I know that sounds kind of off the cuff, enjoy what you do. But that goes back to that first test that we were talking about. Find those things that you like to do. And if you can incorporate it into your business, on those days that you're really, really working long hours or you're doing, at least if you're doing some things that you enjoy, it doesn't seem like you're putting in longer hours. Um, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll have some, you, you have some enjoyment. So enjoy what you do. Number three is do whatever it takes. And I know that's kind of an open-ended one, but there are going to be times that you're going to say, well, you know, I shouldn't have to do that. I'm, I have my own business now. But for two years, I was a full-time real estate agent and an entrepreneur flying back and forth to QVC. And there were mornings that I was sweeping out my warehouse. I was catching a plane to QVC, get all made up and go in front of millions of people selling my product, catch a plane home, uh, the red eye, and the next morning I'm going through a walkthrough and, 
and showing property and going through a closing. And I did whatever I had to do because you not only learn your whole um, structure that way, but in the beginning you don't you don't have the funds to pay for other people to do these things. So do whatever it takes is number three. And the final one and the fourth one is don't abandon those dreams. If you've really got a dream and you've got an ache in your heart and you've got it in your gut to do this, keep going as much as possible. You want to have some kind of a, a, a deadline or a, 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 a you, you have to be careful when I when I say don't abandon your dreams because you don't want to go crazy and cash in all your um, your retirement funds and refinance a house and everything else to keep your dreams alive. But you have to be able to know that that very next day could be the big break. So do whatever it takes, but don't abandon your dreams as as long as you can. Hold out, keep plugging away, and um, you'll you'll see miracles happen. Wow, that's that's really amazing. Well, kind of give us your website again and give us the other address just in case people didn't get it, how to contact you. Certainly. If they want just to see some um, some uh, information for aspiring entrepreneurs, you go to NUCO Marketing, that's N-E-W-C-O, M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G, NUCOMarketing.com. They can fill out a form to get in touch with me there. They can um, uh, see all the different things I've been doing on TV. Go to my video press kit if they'd like to see that. If they're interested in just seeing what the product looks like, they can go to lovemypup.com, and that's love, L-O-V-E, my, M-Y, pup, P-U-P.com. They can at least see what that simple, it's a simple idea, but it solved a big problem. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining, uh, coming on to the program and sharing you know, experiencing your ideas. Thank you so much, Jean. Thank you, Tim, for inviting me. Oh, we look to ha- forward to having you back in the future then. All right. And, I'll, and as I said, I will be happy to help any of your listening uh, listeners to to uh, hear uh, hear what their ideas are. If I can help them, I certainly will. Great. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Again, it's been another production of the Core Business Show. You can download this episode on iTunes or Block Talk Radio. Everybody, thank you for listening. Have a good day. This is Tim Jacquet. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.